Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't have your Bibles, these verses will be on the screen. In Psalm 1-1, the Bible said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, How to Increase Your Blessing. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the divine guidance of your spirit that would draw us to this passage today. And I ask you, God, to anoint me to say the things that would honor you, God. I pray that you would be our teacher in this place today. Lord, I thank you for each person who's come here today, God. And I pray that you would speak to us, shape us, mold us, transform us by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. How to increase your blessing. I was on the phone last night with a good friend of mine, a pastor, a friend that has been close to me for the, the last uh, almost 40 years, and we, we were sharing, uh, it wasn't Pastor Gene, it was, it was a, a different, good friend of mine uh, named Lenny, and Lenny and I were talking about the sad reality of what's being taught about in churches, Now I'm going to have to call him on the way home and tell him that I talked about this this morning, because we talked about all you hear in churches anymore is how much God wants you to be rich, and empowerment, and uh, have, have all, all the ease and pleas of life when the reality is if you study the life of Christ, Christ's life was not easy. Jesus didn't have money. Jesus didn't have material wealth. The apostles didn't either. But do you know if you want to grow a big church in America today, you got to talk about getting people uh, blessed and highly favored, rich and famous, economically empowered, always the head and never the tail, when the reality is we should be preferring others above ourselves. But I've told you for years that we need to eat the whole roll, the scripture says, consume the entire nourishment that the Bible provides for us. And God led me to this passage today because I do believe that God wants to bless his children. Can you agree with that? Every good parent wants to bless their children, but really good parents won't bless a mess. Ah, You're not hearing me. Really good parents will withhold a blessing that they could give to a child if the child would just do better. Because God is too loving, God is too gracious, and God's demand for justice and righteousness is too strong just to be throwing blessings after children who are going to trample on them. But I know God wants to bless us. The Bible is full of uh, discussion and verses that talk about the blessing of the Lord. But here's the reality. It doesn't mean God wants you to live in a 26,000-square-foot house on a river and drive a million-dollar car. Uh, I don't know that I've ever known a real Christian in that capacity. And I'm not saying it couldn't happen. The Bible says it's hard for a rich person to get into heaven. But it doesn't say it's impossible. All right? I do not believe God wants everybody to be rich. It's so funny to me when I hear these these prosperity preachers preach, uh, and, it, and it's always the same. It's always the same sermon. It's always the same speak. God has seen your effort, and God knows your trial, and God is has, has seen your tears, and and God knows you might be the janitor now, but God gonna raise you up to be the CEO of the. Co- Everybody can't be the CEO. Not a real title, but you get my point. Uh, somebody has got to be the middle manager. Amen? Somebody's got to be the receptionist. And listen, the receptionist is not unblessed. The the CEO is not more blessed than the receptionist just because one gets a bigger paycheck. 
Some people are rich in money while others are rich in faith. Some people are rich in money and rich in faith. Some people are poor in money and poor in faith. you got to figure out where you are, but I do know this. If you're saved this morning, your Father loves you. Remember what, what Jesus said about God. He said, if we being evil human beings know how to give good things to our children, how much more so will our Heavenly Father give good things to those of us who would ask him. The Bible says it's God's pleasure to give you all the blessings of his kingdom. And I, it pains me to see so many people walking in lack, to see so many people walking in less than the best that God would have them. Now, I don't believe for a minute that that means everybody's designed to have an easy life because I don't see the apostles and the prophets having an easy life. I believe hardship is ordered by God because we are hard-headed as human beings, and many times for most of us, it takes hardship to get us on our knees. Most people lean into God more when, when, when they feel they need him. Most people lean into God more in, in times of crisis. But I want to talk to you today from a very biblical standpoint of how to increase your blessing. So we're looking at the first verse, first three verses in the book of Psalms and I love the book of Psalms. If you don't read in the book of Psalms, I want to encourage you to start reading. Add that in to what you're doing. Short chapters, most of them, uh, easy to understand. And here's the thing. It's been called the hymnal of the Hebrew people. Uh, they called it the book of praises. And if you want your heart to elevate, if you want your concept of God to elevate, this is a great book for you to read. If you want to know how to love God more and, and, and praise him in, in, in a proper way, then this is a great part of the Bible to read. We're talking in 2022 about knowing God more and making him known to other people. We're talking about growing in our relationship with God because as I told you months ago, sometimes you start off thinking that you love somebody, but the more you get to know them, the more you're like, nah, I was blinded. But then there's other people that you think, I don't really like that person too much. But then the more you get to know them, the more you love them. I want to assure you again of what I've assured you in the past. The more you get to know about God, you will never bring discouragement in your life. No, learning more about God will never bring distance in your life. Because God is so great and so awesome and so lovely and so beautiful and so incredible that the more you get to know about him, the more you'll long for him. The more you'll desire to love him and make him the priority in your life. And I want you to be blessed. I want this church to be blessed. I asked God so many times, Lord, how, how can we really be and do all that you've called us to be and do. I told you I was going to preach out of Ephesians this morning. But God has impressed this on my heart today to go back. It's a passage that we've looked at many times over the last 21 years in this church. And we're going to look at it again today. And, and there's three things that I want you to see today. Uh, we're going to talk about the blessing of God being available to you. Uh, we're going to talk about most of God's blessings are conditional. And the fact that God wants to bless every area of your life. So... Let's get into it. Number one, the blessings of God are available. The blessings of God are available to you. Now, here's the reality. I wish I had my believe-o-meter. I wish I could just hang it around your neck and it register how much you believe or don't believe. I do everybody in the room and find out, do you really believe that God has blessings that are available to you? If I said, stop by the fellowship hall today to get some leftover bread and desserts, which I did, everybody wouldn't take me up on that. But if I told you that I wasn't joking, that I was serious, and that I had uh, $5,000 in unmarked 20s already rubber banded up for anybody willing to stop by the fellowship hall on their way out of here this morning, how many of y'all know people would stop by the fellowship hall at a higher level for five grand than for bread? Some of y'all don't want to be honest. Some of y'all are like, if you decide to do that, see me first. And keep your rubber band, and I don't care if it's in 50s. You got to understand that these blessings of God are available to you. But so many people just walk right by. Or position themselves to be disqualified. 
I, I told you about a vision God gave me one time, a very clear and just such a vivid vision of, uh, it, it was, I was singing the song um, about showers of blessing. And uh, the song, the old hymn says, showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. And I saw myself in this vision standing, and people all around me were just getting rained on with the blessings of God, just showered on with the blessing of God. And I looked, and there was no rain on me. The, the, the showers weren't falling on me of God's blessing. The mercy drops weren't falling on me of God's blessing. And it was like cinematography. The, the, the vision expanded, and I could see that out of the hand I hadn't looked at, I was holding an umbrella over my head. And I was blocking all of that rain from falling on me, which represented God's blessing. And I want to tell you, many times, we're the ones. We're the ones blocking our own blessing. God is raining on other people. Where's the rain in your life? God is blessing other people. Where is the blessing in your life? These blessings are available. So here, here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to just decide in your mind. Do you believe that the God you say you believe in is able to bless his children? Now we got to figure out, well, where are you at? Where, where is your blessing? Now, I, I need to be careful not to wander over into the false theology of today and make it sound like all blessings are material. Because the reality is when God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us, he did everything he needed to do for us. We've already been blessed, the Bible says, with all spiritual blessings. But there are a multitude of blessings that the Bible talks about that are available to us. And I, I, I want you to believe that. See, my son knows that if he needs gas in his car, he doesn't have to click his heels. He doesn't have to do 100 push-ups. He doesn't have to crawl on broken glass. He's just got to call me on the phone and say, hey, Dad, I'm going to get gas in the car. Can you transfer some money onto my debit card? And that money is coming because he knows I've got the resources and I'm willing to do that for him. Imagine if you really began to understand the resources that God has and the willingness he has to transfer something to your debit card. Oh, y'all not following me, but I'm going to keep moving. Anyway, the, these blessings are available to you. In Hebrews 11:6, one of the verses I preach more than any verse in my lifetime, the, the, the Bible tells us that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, I've never really believed, I've never thought that people really believe that, by and large. Because if most people believe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, guess what people would do more often? Mm -hmm. I, I, I guarantee you this. If I said, I'm going to give $20 out of my pocket to anybody who walks up from their seat to this stage right now, somebody would walk up to get it. So there's, there's at least one smart person in the room. And that, but we hear out of God's holy word, which is the word inspired. The Bible says all scripture is inspired. It means God breathed. It came out of God's mouth. God said that he wants to bless us. God said that he will bless us if we diligently seek him. If you don't hear anything else today, turn up your diligency. That, that's sincerity, that, that, that's urgency, that's determination, that's desire, that, that's consistency. Turn up the way that you seek God because the blessings of God not only are available to you, but they are promised to you. I said, I said you, you got to believe it. Here's the reality. You can't receive blessings from God that you don't believe are available. Why? Because Christianity is a faith thing. It's about faith. Everything in Christianity is by faith. Your healing will come by faith. Your, your, your salvation comes by faith. Your, your, where you spend eternity is, is, is by faith. Your access to God is by faith. And these blessings can be accessed by faith. But if you don't believe they're there, you're not going to do what's required to 
get it because the reality is most blessings are conditional. Most of God's blessings, put number two up there, Rick. Most blessings are conditional. What, what does that mean? It requires something. There's a prerequisite. Let me just see how smart some people in the room are. You can't take algebra two until you've taken what? That's a prereq. That's a prerequisite. You're not just going to say when you're picking out classes, you know, I'd really like to take algebra two. When you've been struggling in basic math since third grade and you never had algebra one, it, it just doesn't work that way. And there are some prerequisites to blessing. And hear me good, that most people aren't tapping into. And we're looking for God to come through for us when he's already laid out his commandments of how to get to what we say that we want. With most blessings being conditional. Now, see, there's some blessings. There's only two categories. There's conditional and unconditional. Some of the blessings of God are unconditional. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. You don't have to do anything to get water on your yard when you live in Florida. It's going to come. Now, it may not come long enough to keep that St. Augustine grass you've got alive uh, in the heat of the summer. But the rain falls on your yard the same way it falls on other people's yard. The oxygen you breathe. That's a blessing of the Lord. Uh, and, but everybody gets the oxygen, some, some uh, that love the Lord, some that don't love the Lord. That's an unconditional blessing. But most of God's promises of blessing come conditionally. Let's, let's look in our text this morning in Psalm 1-1. It starts off by saying, blessed is the man. Now remember, when you read the word man in the Bible, if it is not obviously being gender specific, realize that it is non-gender specific. It's talking about human. Uh, it's not just for males. This is for all humans. Blessed is the person. And that word blessed means, oh, how very happy, or someone who is abounding in blessings. And I want to guarantee you this morning, God has blessings that you can abound in, and most people aren't. If we divided the room up right now and we had everybody in the room honest and said, if you're abounding in blessings, I want you to stand up. If, you, if you're not really abounding in blessings, stay seated. Uh, we, we'd, we'd still have everybody sitting down. But it doesn't have to be that way. There is more. Say more. There's more. You, you, you can be super happy. You can be, oh, how very happy. You can be overflowing in God's blessings if you do some things and if you don't do some things. Because so much of Christianity, now I'm not talking about getting saved, because you don't have to do anything to get saved. Salvation is by faith. Jesus did all the work to get saved. But to get blessed, there's some things you need to do. My kids don't have to do anything uh, to be my kids. They didn't put any effort into that. Um, that, they, that. That was all on me, their mom, and God. But if they want to get my stuff, if they want me to be happy with them uh, once they are saved, if they, if they want more blessing in their life, then there's some things that have to be done. We're going we're gonna to talk about uh, the, the things not to do first, three things not to do. Number one, these three don'ts. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You need to examine your life this morning, tonight, tomorrow, this month, for the rest of your life, and make sure that you walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Some of you have friends that you take advice from, and you know they're as raggedy as all day long. Some of you have friends that you listen to, you call them up on the phone, you hit them up on Snap, on IG, and you run your drama by them, and you ask them, what you think about that? It don't matter what, the, they're not qualified to give a Christian any advice because they're living in the dark. If you understand Christianity at all, if you've been saved, you know there was a time in your life where you were lost, but then you became found. Metaphorically, you were blind, but now you see that person's still blind. You're going to ask, that's like asking somebody to drive you to the store and you know that they're blind. That's not who you want taking the wheel. You better get with that girl that said Jesus take the wheel because there is trouble coming when you allow unqualified people to do things 
in your life. And there are way too many people right now that walk in the counsel of the un- They ask lost people for advice. Here, here's something, and I don't know why. And I've had people say, well, I just do it for fun. Do you light your hair on fire for fun? People reading the horoscope. Well, I, I was just checking it out for fun. Do you stab yourself in the eye with a pitchfork for fun? The Bible says not to do it. The, the horoscope is, is, is ungodly. And if you're looking, and listen, people ask, well, Pastor, do you believe there's legitimacy in palm readers, soothsayers, uh, fortune tellers? I believe they can tell you stuff. I believe they get power from the devil because there's only two sources of power in this earth, God and the devil. You can say, well, I went to one one time. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Madame Dorena was the real deal. If you went to Madame Dorena, you would leave there saying, she told me stuff she could have never known. Sure she did. She didn't get it from God. And the advice she gave you was whack. Why? Because it came from an un Well, she's not a bad person. She's without God. Do you understand that? I'm not saying that your, your, your friend, your family member, your co-worker, your, 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 your homeboy is a horrible human being. But if they're without God, they're not qualified. Not only are they not qualified, but God commands you to walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. The, the, the Bible says that we should seek the Lord. In all our ways, we should acknowledge him. Then he will direct our path. You shouldn't be calling the psychic hotline. I just do it for fun. I already told you, you don't light your hair on fire for fun. And you need to start doing. If you want what God says you can have, you got to do what he said you do to get it. And for some of you, it would be very, very simple. Stop running your drama by people who love God less than you do. That ought to be your first criteria before you get on a rant with somebody. Well, it's my sister, and, you know, we've just always been there for Keep being there for each other, but don't take no advice from somebody who's less godly than you are. Can we be honest for a minute? And nobody in this room, from me all the way to the back, that's godly enough. We're messing around taking advice from people less godly. I told you for years, if you're the sharpest person in your circle of friends, get a sharper circle. If you're the godliest person that you hang out with, get around somebody godly. You're going to have to poop somebody out. Some of y'all could be blessed. Some of y'all's lives could turn around if you just stop listening to advice from people that are on the outside of the covenants of God. The second thing verse 2 tells us, nor stands in the path of sinners. Now, when, listen, you need to get to this place where you can honestly say, when, when I see sinners hanging out, I, I, I don't hang out around them. Well, Jesus ate with drunks. He ate and got out of there. He didn't go to the after party. And he didn't eat with them because he wanted their company. He ate with them because he was actively ministering to them. Well, can I go to my work party, uh, my, my New Year's Eve party at the job? If I'm ministering, absolutely you can. But if you minister to them, they will do to you what they did to Jesus. They will drive you out of their city. They will beg you not to come back anymore. And they will reject you and persecute you and blaspheme against you and speak all manner of evil against you falsely. And people, when people ask me, well, what am I going to do about all my unsafe friends now that I'm a Christian? You don't have to do anything. They are going to leave you. They are going to put you out of the circle. And you don't have to do anything but show Christ to them. And they're going to let you know, stop coming around me with that Jesus stuff. Hanging out with sinners is a bad move. Say bad move. Man, you want to you get around them to tell them about Jesus? Tell them about Jesus and keep stepping. You, uh, hanging out with them is on a different level. God, God, God said, come out from among them and be ye separate. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Too many church members have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And, and, and I want to ask you this, and, and I'm being very practical with you this morning because I want you to receive the word of God and walk in these blessings. Do you hang out with sinners, listen, while they sin? Because if you do, you're in the path. But my best friend is blah, blah, blah. You need a new best friend. Well, I can't leave my best friend. 
then you don't deserve Jesus. It's not my opinion. Jesus said, if you're not willing to forsake all others to follow me, you're not worthy of me. Well, I can't just turn my back on my cousin. My cousin. That's my cousin. Well, your cousin, if they don't love God, you've been commanded not to take advice from them and not to hang out with them. Well, I don't have nobody else to hang out with but my cousin. Hang out with Jesus. Hang out with the Lord. Find out that God is enough. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand in the path of sinners. And third thing, he says, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. See, this thing is a progression. It, it, first, you're listening to them. Then you're, you're standing around them, and then you're sitting down with them. Some of you have made it through the entire progression to where now you're just comfortable in their home. You're just comfortable with them in your home. If you really believe that there's a true God and a true devil, if you really believe that scriptures are taught but spirits are caught, if you really believe there's good forces and bad forces, why would you bring that into your home? Because it's my cousin. Your cousin doesn't have to have access to steal your blessings from you. The Bible says you're blessed in your deed. The Bible says the wise man heard the sayings of the Lord and did them. The foolish person heard the sayings of the Lord and didn't do them. We are a church that will show that there are some wise people here and there are some foolish people here because some people will realize, I need to do what God says because I want the blessing of God. I need to do what God says. I got I to gotta stop taking advice. from. Listen, if you take advice from Dr. Phil, You need a better advisor. If you take advice from Oprah, you need a better advisor. If you take advice from Judge Judy, you need a better advisor. I'm not saying any of these people are bad people, but what I'm telling you is I don't see any of them broadcasting their great depth of love for Jesus Christ and him alone. And we don't need to sit around in the seat of the scornful. This progression happens and if you let it get to that point you're going to find yourself being comfortable around people that don't love your god and here that that you're in bad shape at that point you are in bad shape now i i love uh the the people in this church i i love uh elder jimmy and nancy rich and they crack me up they crack me. They are just real and honest people. If you get around them, you're going to find out. You're going to find out. Elder Jimmy's been off at work for, for over a month now, um, providing for his family. I asked Nancy this morning in our prayer circle, uh, you know, what's going on? She says, I'm just tired of hearing about it. He's just calling me all the time, blowing, blowing up my ear. Uh, and, and, and they're just funny like that. They, they, they're, just, they, they, they're, they're just real and, and they're honest. They, they, don't, they don't fake it. They, they don't plan out. Listen, there are people in this church that fake so much they forgot how to be real like that. And I want you to start getting real about who you are. I want you to start getting real about your friends. Now, they are a great example of a husband that loves a wife and a wife that loves a husband. I, I usually use the Williams or the Johnson family, um, just names that I make up that, you know, come, come to my mind. But the Rich family is very much in that same frame. I promise you, Elder Jimmy is, is, is a funny guy. And has anybody figured out yet? He talks a lot. A lot. When he starts talking and man up, I look at the clock. I got to set a timer on this dude. He talks a lot. And he, listen, he'll say stuff is like, Okay, you just said that about, about your own family. But here, here's the reality. It's just like a lot of us grew up. We, 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 might, we might get on our family. We, we, we might cut up and play. But you ain't allowed to do that. You ain't allowed to do that. I, Elder Jimmy said some stuff that made me scratch my head. Uh, and I'm like, I know he wouldn't let somebody else say that. 
And we need to understand, we need to not be willing to hang out with people that talk bad about somebody we love. But that's my cousin. Okay, well, let me ask you this. If your cousin broke into your house, took a chainsaw and cut the heads off everybody in your home, burned them in your backyard as a memorial for you to see every time you looked in your backyard, would your cousin still be invited to the barbecue? I don't think so. See, what we don't realize is people that don't love God, the, Jesus said, if they're not for me, they're against me. Why, why are you hanging out with enemies of the cross? You can't, you can't hang out with, with uh, Elder Jimmy uh, and, and bash his wife. That's why, I don't, that's why I don't hang out with people that bash the church. The church is the bride of Christ. You got bad stuff to say about the church. You can't be close to Jesus bashing his wife. He's not going to tolerate that. He's not just going to sit down at your table and listen to you go on and on and on and on and on about how much you hate his wife. And if you're the bride of Christ, you're not going to sit down and listen to somebody bash your husband. If Jesus is the groom and we are the bride, how are you so comfortable sitting around people that hate the man that you've given your whole life to? It makes no sense. You've convinced yourself it's okay. But if you don't hear anything, here it is. It's not okay. It is not okay to sit and hang out. You let people come in your house that talk bad about Jesus? Well, I just think we should be friendly to everybody. Yeah, keep, be, hey, be friendly and keep it moving. There's some very specific instruction in this, this, this passage of Scripture. You ain't supposed to walk in their council. You're not supposed to stand around and, 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 and be in their presence while they're doing their sin. Well, I don't believe it's that bad. It's that bad. That's why the, the world's in the shape that it's in right now. Because Christians started believing stuff wasn't that bad. See, grandmom and them, great-grandmom and them, they wouldn't tolerate it. They'd put you out. They'd put you and your friend out. They weren't having it. There was no kind of way they were going to let you come in their house with all that foul language, with all that drugs and alcohol. They'd just put you out. Go somewhere else with your foolishness. But we've just went, well, at least it's not heroin. It's only a little weed. Is it legal? Well, they don't get too drunk. They only get a little drunk. Is it godly? We, we've just made so many excuses for stuff so long, and then we go to counselor's office and we cry our eyes. I just don't know why life's so hard on me. I just, I just want God to bless me. Here it is. Get blessable. Get blessable. If there were two lines at the front of this church, and one of them was the line to get blessed by God, and the other line was to not get blessed by God, you'd be a fool to stand in the don't bless me line. But people are living that way. People are living that way. Sitting in the seat of the scornful. There's another word, there's a synonym for that word scornful, which means a, 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 another word that means mostly the same thing. Uh, mockers mockers how oh, we live in a time of mockers let me give you let me give you a more uh modern word trash talkers oh people talk trash listen when people talk trash about the the about god about the word of god the plan of god the people of god those people are scornful because they are mockers and the Bible says, you sit and hang out with him. Listen, association brings assimilation. You become like what you hang around. Listen, don't, don't be shocked if you lay down with dogs if you come up with fleas. The Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. You start letting stuff slide in your own life, and you start saying, well, at least I ain't bad as Pookie. You know why I always use Pookie? Uh, so, somebody tell us who Pookie is. Well, some, some type of a false deity, the god of mischief. If your friends call you Pookie, that's who you are. Stop hanging out with Pookie. 
Stop hanging out with people who don't mean the Lord any good. Stop hanging out with people who trash talk the, the plan of God and, and, and the God of the Bible and, and, and the Bible of our God. Get away from these people. Your life would be better with, but that's my bestie. How can you have a bestie that don't love the God that you say is number one in your life? And here's the reality. Doesn't matter how long I lay on this point. Doesn't matter how much I expound on this point. Doesn't matter how much scripture I add or, or how much common sense I bring to this reality. There are people in the room like, mm, I, ain't, I, ain't, I, ain't, I ain't staying away from Bubba. Because Bubba, Bubba's been there for me. Yeah, but Bubba's been there for you because misery loves company. Do what the word says if you want to have what the word says do. That's three things not to do. Let me give you two things to do. Number one, uh, right, right, right out of the scripture, right, right out of the word of God. Put verse two on the screen for me. It told us what not to do. Then it says, but his delight, that human beings delight, not just a man. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, he meditates day and night. Now, I already told you, and I don't know who he is that sang it. Great concept. Uh, listen, these, these people that write love songs out of the Bible, they're using a good textbook. And they're almost guaranteeing themselves a hit. Somebody wrote a song, and, and they said, I only think of you on two occasions. That's what? Day and night. Now, that ought to hit you in your wheelhouse, right? That, that, that's, that's a real love song. That, but listen, David was inspired by God to tell us about this person that will be blessed. This is somebody who delights in the law of the Lord and somebody uh, who meditates in that law. The law of the Lord is this written book. It is the word of God. So the two things we need to do, number one, delight in the law of the Lord. I don't think most people do. I think even people who started off on the path of loving God's word, um, I, I, it was weird. I don't recommend it to everybody. Um, it, it, it is, it's not scriptural. There's no command to it. But for years as a young Christian, I would kiss the cover of my Bible before I went to sleep. Many times I fell asleep holding my Bible. Um, I, just, I, just wanted, I, I just wanted the Word of God to be close to me because it's the book I learned about God from. I'm not saying you got to kiss the cover of this thing, and I'm not saying you got to sleep with it, but you need to learn how to love the book of God. Most people don't love it. Most people don't delight in it. They find it a burden. Well, I try. I, I try to read my book. I try to read my devotion. I try to, I try to read my chapter. That's burdensome. That's, that's rules and regulations. That's not, that's not love. If you ever had somebody that you cared about uh, going to military and you get a letter from them, you don't let it sit on, on the counter and think, oh, you know, hopefully I can make some time this week and read that. That's just not how people do. They're like, oh, wow, a letter from them, uh, you know, the person I care the most about. You tear that open and you read it. Now I'm on a different level. And, and I ain't saying you got to do this. I'm not even saying it's healthy. Uh, but I've got every letter Jake ever wrote me. Kept them. Um, Cedric just looked at his wife wondering, you got stuff I wrote you. You didn't throw away my card, did you? Oh, yeah, see? That's, that's love right there. And he's trying to make sure she knows it, too. You don't just set them off to the side before you read them. People set the word of God off to the side and think, well, I'll get to it when I... You don't love God's word if you're going to get to it when you get to it. Make it a priority. Understand, this is, this is how you're going to learn about God. This is how you're going to hear the voice of God in your life. This is spiritual food for your inner being. And, and you got to learn to, to get in this book. you you got to delight in it. Listen, this book is not about rules and regulations. There are some rules in it. There's some regulations in it. But his book's about a person. His name is Jesus. And I, I've told you before, but when I hear people say, you know, it's just hard for me to understand, it'll get easier for you to understand as you fall in love with its author. You fall in love with the person who wrote this book. 
Well, which, which, which men, no, men didn't write this book. Men moved the ink pen. God wrote the book. God told them what to write. This is the word of living God. If you had some, I still have on my desk right now the last spiral-bound notebook that Gail was taking her daily devotional notes in. And I still look at it and I still read it because the fact that she is precious to me means what she wrote was precious to me. Now, when are we going to get to the place where people feel like the book that God wrote is precious to us? We've become too common with the Word of God. Uh, this, this, do you know it was punishable by death to have a copy of this book for the majority of human history? They, they prevented the publication and the printing of this book. They killed people who wanted to mass produce this book so that we could have a copy of it to hold in our hand because they felt like that it was only for the clergy to hold. So they suppressed the printing of the Word of God uh, by force, and now we suppress it by lack of desire. We've got to realize this, this isn't just about history. It's about his story, and we need to love the Word of God. Uh, second thing that verse says, uh, that to meditate day and night in it. Mm. Yeah, we're a long way from that. The average Christian doesn't do meditation on the Word of God. They rush through maybe the chapter, maybe the proverb of the day, maybe a little bit of devotional material, but that's a whole different deal than meditating it, uh, meditating in it day and night. And I want to tell you something. I'm not anti-TV. I sit down and watch some TV. I'm not anti-sports. I sit down and watch some sports. I'm not anti-gaming. Uh, I sit down and play a game. But there's got to be a point where all that gets shut off to go and spend time with the God that you say you love. Life will crowd you out if you don't. If you don't make it a priority to, to get in God's word and to think about God all day long, other stuff will crowd your brain out. Meditation is a lost art in, East, in the Eastern world uh, because they ran from it because it was so perverted in the West. where they, they're, they're, The thought of Western meditation is this. And it, this has crept over into New Age spirituality, even in America, is to empty your mind. Drive the thoughts out of your mind. Concentrate only on your breath. Listen to my words as we concentrate on the breath. Push every thought out of your mind. That's what Western meditation is built on. Biblical meditation is not emptying your mind and concentrating on your breathing. Biblical meditation is pushing stuff into your mind that makes you think about God. Simple stuff. Hard stuff, you don't meditate on it. Hard stuff, you wrestle with. Simple stuff, you can just meditate on it. Now, meditation uh, comes from a Greek concept. Greek is a very picturesque language. It comes from a Greek concept of a cow chewing its cud, which is to say that they just roll the food around in their mouth, swallow it, regurgitate it back up, and chew on it again. That's disgusting uh, in that visual. But it's about to continue to chew on what you've been chewing on. And in, in the concept of meditating day and night uh, on, on the words of God, we've we got to get to the place where we just keep it in our mind. And for us to keep these things in our mind, they have to be simple things. We used to sing a song in, in the old church, just a simple chorus. It says, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. And these are the kind of things that you can just think about. The Bible says to lay on your own bed and meditate on God. Well, what are the things that we need to just lay in bed and think about? The goodness of God. Because that will drown out that pity party. That will drown out how bad circumstances have been for you lately. Because the greater reality is it doesn't matter how bad circumstances are right now. God is still good. It doesn't matter how bad circumstances are right now. If you know you've got a home in heaven, then you're going to be there forever. We've got to get to the place where we meditate day and night. Third thing, I said I want us to look at the fact that God wants to bless every area of your life. God wants to bless every area of your life. Uh, put verse 3 on the screen for me. He shall be who? This person that does one and two. You got to have already done. You, you got to do the do's and don't do the don'ts. 
that person will be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever that person does shall what? Prosper. Now, prosperity doesn't always have to be about money. What we need to prosper in every aspect of our life. You need your, your, your health to prosper. You need your relationships to prosper. You need your spirituality to prosper, as, as well as your, your, your emotional prosperity and your financial prosperity. But inside verse 3, it's very easy to see four different aspects inside this verse of promise. First thing it says is that person will be like a tree. Be like a tree. Now, I don't know how many people ever thought in life, I want to grow up and be a tree. Uh, probably not anybody unless there was, you know, a tree to be played in a play and you just thought, I want to get out of speaking parts, so I'll just be a tree. Now, that's not what, it, that's not what it's talking about. In that culture, a tree symbolized strength, life, and vitality. Trees were strong, and trees were producing. Trees were alive. And I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, and most people are not living with much vitality. Oh, if I see this advertisement for fruits and vegetables one more time, I am going to throw something at the TV. Anybody seen that? Balance of nature, fruits and vegetables. I eat food. I get my fruits and vegetables from balance of... I'm not saying it's a bad product, but the reality is, why would a nation need so much commercialization on how to live vitality? How to live... Uh, an exciting life. CoQ10. I get my CoQ10 from QAnon. QAnon has been proven by every doctor in America and around the world and by God himself that CoQ10 from QAnon. Every other commercial seems like they're trying to help us live a more vital, exuberant life. Listen, going to get you some balance in nature. Going to get you some CoQ22 if you want some. But what you need to do is do the do's and don't do the don'ts so that you can be like a tree. What is a tree? Strong and prosperous, living and producing. Too many people in the world are existing. And really, honestly, I'd love to have the time one day to find out, are you existing or are you living? I've talked to a lot of people in 40 years of doing this. And I know for sure most people are existing. Most people are going through the process. They're just trying to push through to the next day. I'm just trying to get to the end of the week and get my check. Really? What awesome thing are you going to do with your check? Rush it to the bank to pay my bills. That's what life has become. Working all week long so we can afford to live. That's not living. That's existing. That's the most mundane form of existence there is. You need to want to be like a tree. Is, is your life, just be honest in your own mind, has your life become dull, boring, routine? It won't be if it's planted by a river. The Bible says that your life can be like a tree planted by the river. It is full. It is vibrant. It is glowing. It is actively doing what it was designed to do. Not only if you do verse 1 and verse 2, uh, will you be like a tree? But second thing, you'll bring forth fruit in your season. You will bring forth fruit in your season. Now, every part of life has seasons. Some days are going to be up. Some days are going to be down. Some days are going to be good. Some days are going to be bad. Some days are going to be easy. Some days are going to be hard. Some seasons in your life are going to be mountaintop, and some are going to be in the valley. But there's a process and a purpose for all of that. Every season has a purpose, and you should bring forth fruit in your season. When it's time for you to be growing, be growing. When it's time for you to be bringing forth fruit, be bringing forth fruit. But the sad reality is the majority of Christians have not brought forth fruit, hear me good, in more than a season. If you're skipping seasons, of, listen, if you've got a lemon tree that used to bring up lemons every year, and it hadn't brought up lemons in the last 15 years, you don't have a lemon tree anymore. 
you've got a tree that they say is a lemon tree that's not giving you lemons. If, if you have an orange tree in your backyard and it quit bringing up oranges 30 years ago, cut that thing down. Maybe this will be the year. Nah. Mm-mm. No, you got to lay the axe to that. You, you, you got to get you something. You are designed to produce fruit. If you're not producing fruit, the Bible says here, Jesus said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. These are the things. See, fruit is what hangs off the visible part of the tree so you can figure out what's going on in the invisible part. Cliche. Uh, The fruit declares the root. I don't know trees. I really don't. If there was not a lemon or an orange hanging off it, I couldn't even tell you. I would have no idea. You got a little tree growing in your backyard? I can't look at it from a distance and tell is it a lemon tree or if it's an orange tree. I don't know trees that well. But once it starts having a lemon hang off it, I can tell you it's a lemon tree. Once it starts having an orange hang off it, I can tell you it's an orange. Fruit declares the root. Fruit is what you see on the outside that declares what's going on on the inside. Do you know as a Christian there should be visibility of your faith hanging off you? People ought to be able to see something about you that declares what's happening on the inside of you. And here's the reality. They do. Everybody uh, that's saved is representing the Lord, whether you try to or not. You're just either representing him effectively or ineffectively by bringing the right, right fruit or the wrong fruit. I want to tell you something. It's time for your life to be fruitful. In, in the very beginning, God commanded people to be fruitful. And too many people are not producing. They're not bringing forth fruit in their season. Why? Because they're violating verse 1 and verse 2. They're hanging out with wrong people, catching advice from wrong people. They're, 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 not, they're not meditating in God's word. They're not delighting in God's word. They're just going through the motions. And that's why they're not bringing forth any fruit. Third thing, the verse tells us, uh, if, you, if you feel verse 1 and verse 2, your strength won't fade. Your leaf won't wither. That, that, that means your strength won't fade. You, you, you won't look like you're dying to the people that know you. Now, if you are dying, that's okay. But if you just look like you're dying, that's a whole different story. See, there's a lifespan for everybody. People are like, oh, my, my, my cousin shall live and not die, saith the Lord. Uh, maybe. But eventually... Your cousin's going to die. And so are you. And so is grandma, mom and daddy, and everybody else if they live long enough. If Jesus don't come back for the next 300 years, everybody in this room is going to die. If you think you're going to live more than 300 years, uh, they make medication for people like you because I can't do nothing with you. What Sam Elliott say on, on that? Say, y'all seen that Sam Elliott meme? Now listen, Sam Elliott's a real man. You want to look up the definition of a real man? That's Sam Elliott in, 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 in the encyclopedia right there. Uh, and they, they got a meme under Sam Elliott's face. It, it says, I can't fix stupid. Now, if Sam Elliott can't fix it, I can't do nothing for you. But if you know that, that life is short and everything about you, if you're dying emotionally, if, if, if your relationships are dying, if your passion for life is dying, that is your leaf withering. People can look at a tree and say, "Mm, that thing's in bad shape. If they look at you and see spiritually, vitality-wise, you're in bad shape, you need to make sure it's not because your leaf is withering. The promise of God is that he will sustain your strength. Your strength should not be fading. Uh, As as a man, now I don't know about a woman because I ain't never been a woman, and newsflash, to all the progressives in the room. I can't be one. I can't be a purple dinosaur because I, well, I identify as a purple dinosaur. What are your preferred pronouns? King of all the earth, your daddy's daddy's boss, and one who is greater than you. Tell your HR director that when they ask what's your preferred pronoun. Better than you. Excuse me? Oh, that's how I identify Uh, well, go ahead and fill out on, on, your next, on your next medical form when they ask for your height and weight. 
Hey, I always say five nine. Just makes me feel good to be. I'm taller than every five foot nine man on the planet. You find me a guy that says he's five nine. Get him to stand next to me. He's two inches shorter than me. I tell everybody I'm five nine, just so I feel taller than every five nine. Cause I'm taller than every five foot nine man on the planet. So I write down five foot nine. The army said I was five ten. I know I've shrunk. Um, weight two nineteen. Okay, now that's true. But if I just want to identify, height, seven foot eight. Well, I, I identify as seven foot eight. How dare you say I'm not seven foot eight? I feel, I've always been, I've always known on the inside that I was seven foot eight. Y'all laugh at that, but y'all think it's completely okay? For John to say, call me Tracy because I identify? Listen, I've been a man my whole life because I can't be anything else because it's what God gave me and it's what's on my... I, I'm a cisgendered man. So is everybody else as a man. I don't know what it's like to be a woman, but I can tell you as a man, when I read that verse that says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small, that makes, that may, that makes me put my shoulders back and my chest out. I ain't going to faint in the day of adversity because I ain't going to have nobody, especially God, tell me my, my strength is small. I'm, 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 I'm going to bend, I'm going to straighten my back, and, and I'm going to put my shoulder to the wheel and my nose to the grindstone, and I am not going to faint. I'm not going to let my strength fade when God has promised to give us strength for our journey. If you let your strength fade, God says you are weak. All you got to do is fill up. The, 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 the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. If your strength is faltering, you need to start doing what verse 1 and 2 says. So, so you can be like that tree, not planted in the desert, but planted by the river. Well watered, strong, vital, growing, not fading. Last thing, fourth thing, it promised. If you're fulfilling verse 1 and 2, everything you do will prosper. Now this is not a new thing. God had been telling people this from the very beginning. Re remember what God told Joshua in the first chapter of Joshua? That if you meditate on this book and observe to do all the things that I've commanded you to do, everything you do will prosper. So I'm going to give you this and leave you with it. If your life isn't prospering, you're not doing everything God told you to do. How dare you? I see areas of lack in your life, Pastor. I do, too. You know why? Anybody, anybody want to take a genius guess at why Scott Becker is not prospering in every single area of his life? Somebody, somebody just be a genius right now. Because what? Because I'm not doing everything God told me to do. <gasps> I, well, I never. You probably haven't. I need a pastor who does everything God tells him to do. That human being is not in existence. Well, I need a pastor who, who is a perfect example. in every, That human being is not in existence. This is why churches are so jacked up right now, because they saw the humanity of a leader. You know, so many people quit the, the kingdom of God because uh, Jimmy Swaggart came out and admitted he couldn't stop going to pay prostitutes. He was on a special weird lane. He was just paying to, well, I ain't even going to get into all that. But how does that drive somebody out of Christ? Some, some pastor gets caught. The, the whole church shuts down. Let me, let me tell you something. If I lose my mind, fall into sin, listen, and refuse to repent, that's, that's the criteria. You don't turn your back on people just because they fall into sin. You restore them, the Bible says. All these churches firing pastors are going to stand before God. But if, if I fall headlong into sin and I just, there's a man in Orange Park that did this. He, him and his wife were having problems. He started openly having sex with a, with a member of his choir. The wife quit coming to church. The choir member started sitting on the front row in her seat. And he told them all. Uh, and, and to cap it off, 
He was African American and she was Asian, and that was a whole lot of pain. I mean, there was there was some. Uh, I mean, they, they brought in a whole different dynamic. People were upset, and I'm like, "That's what's bothering you about that?" I'm like, "The adultery's not the part that's bothering you. The fact that she's Asian's what's messing." Listen, he stood up in front of his church and said, "All y'all snooping around in my business, stay in your own lane." Yes, it's happening. It's gonna happen. I'm gonna marry that woman right there. And nothing you, and I'm thought, mm, time to him to go. And I'm not one to throw people away. I'm not one to fire preachers. I'm one to try to recover them. I'm one to try to help them get back on track. But listen, if I get to the place where I just tell you, yeah, I'm doing it, and I ain't going to quit doing it, uh, don't leave abundant life. Uh, t- t- tell Dina to inv- inv- invoke the 25th Amendment and vote me out. And, and here's what I know for sure. The leadership of this church would not stand by and watch me sabotage the Lord's church. Is that right, Elder Keon? Would not happen. And they've been told by me, don't, don't, don't hold on to me past my day of usefulness. Don't, don't hold on to me. If, you, if I can't be recovered, uh, don't stand in the path of sinners. Um, and, and, and the reality is God wants to bless you. And if you're not being blessed, it's because you're not doing something right. That's for me. That's for you. I'm not talking about willfully refusing to obey God. I'm talking about finding areas in your life, hear me good and I'm done, that you can improve in. Do more of the good stuff and less of the bad stuff. I'm not talking about becoming perfect. I can't explain to you how to be perfect. I've never been perfect. The only perfect person to ever live is Jesus. But I can tell you about growing because I've grown as a Christian. I can't tell you about loving God because I love God. I can't tell you about living what he says because I have lived what he says. But if you want everything you do to prosper, do the do's and don't do the don'ts. Do what God says. Take these verses and start doing what God says. Fall in love with the God of this book and the book of our God. Delight yourself in it. Realize that when you read it, listen, and sometimes it's going to make you say, ouch. Because sometimes there's some things that you want to do, and you read it, and you're like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't. That, that's code for, of course I shouldn't, but I'm trying to make myself believe it. Fall in love with the God of this book and the book of our God. And meditate in it day and night. Start thinking. Start laying on your bed at night and thinking about how great God is. Think about how much he loves you. Think about the fact he saved you when he didn't have to. Think about the fact he didn't throw you away when everybody else said you weren't worth loving. Think about the fact that he's still got a plan for your life because you're still breathing on this earth. Think about the fact that God allows a bunch of imperfect people on Georgetown Drive to feed thousands of people every month and be used for his glory, to, to give money all around the world for the advancement of God's kingdom. We've, we've got over, uh, I don't even know, did you talk to Elder Keon about getting that update? On that, on that uh, worldwide document? Can you even do that, Elder? You printed out a thing one time, showed we got like 90 different countries listening to our, uh, that, that was back six, seven years ago. Um, I don't even know how many countries are listening to our messages now, but, but we've got at least 60, 70, 80 countries around the world tuning in, listening to the word of God come from this place. But I sure wish we had more people here. That's not the, that's not, that's not the mission. It's, it's impact. It's not numbers of people. It's, it's spreading the good news around the world. And we're doing that. And you're making help it happen. But here's what I'm asking you to do, to do today. Get more prosperous. Get more blessed. The way to do that is just do what God says. Just do what God says. I was that hard-headed child. I was, I was that hard-headed child that, that sometimes, I, I, I don't know, I, I don't, some, some of y'all would lie and say you were, even if you weren't. Was, was anybody that child that ever just said, I, I'm, I'm going to get beat for this, but I, I'm going to take it because I'm going to do it anyhow? Yeah, you, yeah, you was just hard-headed like me. That's not wise. That is not wise. And hear this and I'm done. If you are saved... You are going to do what God tells you to do sooner or later. Your knee is going to bow to him 
sooner or later. You are going to recognize who he is sooner or later. Let's get on with it now. Let's not wait till we get to heaven to start giving everything we have to God. Let's do it now so we can be blessed and prosperous in this life. Whatever area of your life is not prospering, start doing everything God tells you to do. Get away from people that don't love God. Well, how am I going to reach them? Reach them and get out. Share Christ with them and keep it moving. Don't hang out with them. You don't see Jesus hanging out, doing dirt with lost people. And then get in this book day and night. Do what it says, and everything in your life will prosper. I love Wednesday night testimony time. I love when people get to brag on God. I love to hear when God is doing good things for his people. But do you know if we would do the do's and don't do the don'ts, we would have not enough time in the month to hear all the great things God is doing? Well, God, God is really blessing me in this, that, and the third. If we would begin to do the do's and don't do the don'ts. Take this word to heart. Pray with me. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for this book of instruction. God, I pray that you would help us to love you the way we should. God, help us to not take advice from the wrong people. Help us to not hang out in the wrong areas. God, help us to love you the way we should. God, I pray for every person in this room, Lord, those who are unsaved. I pray you pour your love out on them and save them. And for those who are saved, God, I pray that you'd fill us with your spirit and help us love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.